to the Huntley Baptist Church podcast. We hope that this message can be an encouragement to you today. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist at extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com. Today we're going to be talking about something that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with, if I'm being completely honest. And that topic is the topic of fasting. So fasting, common term for practice of going without food or drink for a certain period of time. So for example, if someone was to say to me, hey Mark, do you want this piece of Hawaiian pizza? I would say, no thank you, I'm fasting. And if they said, wow, what for, or uh, what does that fast look like? I'd say, just the pizza, just the Hawaiian pizza. It's a lifelong commitment. (laughs) Now, it's not just something that that Christians do. In fact, these days, it's really widespread. Uh, It's actually ingrained in the English language. Like, if we're to get up and have the first meal of the day, what do we call that? Break fast. We're breaking the fast from the night before. Multiple faiths practice it. So we've got, we've got Muslims, they have a special time of fasting, they call it Ramadan. It's a, it's a month that they observe. Fasting, prayer, reflection, community. Uh, they believe that it teaches them uh, to practice self-discipline, uh, self-control, sacrifice, empathy for those who have less. In Judaism, several special fast days. So Yom Kippur is, is the most important one. It's a, it's a day focused on repentance, so they spend that day fasting. Uh, there's other fast days where, where they would think about the destruction of the temple or even the Holocaust, so their fasts tend to be quite reflective and, and often kind of sorrowful and sad, but they also fast to, to appreciate the gift of food and the nourishment that God brings. Uh, Buddhism, they fast on certain full moon days. Hinduism, they fast depending on what kind of festivals are going on. And these days, people fast, secular people, so people who don't believe in any particular religion, they fast as well. According to Dr. Google, fasting is the most popular diet in the world right now. And I tend to believe that, because I work with a bunch of people that fast all the time. And they do it to lose weight, or rid their bodies of toxins, or whatever it is, health reasons. And historically, people have also fasted to uh, protest things. Mahatma Gandhi was, was famous. He went on a, a whole bunch of hunger fasts to protest the British rule in India. So fasting, very widespread. But does any of that have anything to do with what fasting in the Bible is talking about? That's what I'm interested in. And so I'd like to ask three questions today. Uh, it would be, what's the biblical purpose of fasting? Does it apply to us today? Is there like a formula? Do you have to do it a certain way or is it just a personal conviction? And how powerful really is it? So, in order to answer those three questions, in my mind, we've got to have a a few look of a few accounts of fasting in the Bible. And some people here might know some of those accounts off the top of their head. I'm going to test a bit of your general biblical knowledge. Can you call out if you've got an example of fasting in the Old Testament? Esther's one, yep. Daniel's another one, yep. Jesus is over both testaments, I'll give you that one. <laughs> yep. Anyone else? I heard one. David, yeah, that was the one I was, I was thinking, it was a bit abstract, but David also fasted as well, quite a bit. We also had King Saul. Uh, when King Saul died, 
uh, the men who buried him, they fasted. They fasted for seven days for him, kind of in memory of him. King Jehoshaphat, he fasted when, uh, when Israel or Judea was facing three enemy armies. And the people of Nineveh also fasted too uh, when, God, when uh, God proclaimed judgment on them through Jonah. They fasted. New Testament, we've already had one spoken out, Jesus. Anyone else in the New Testament? Can people pick up? Yeah, good. I didn't actually have that one written down. John's disciples fasted. Yep. We've got someone at the front row here who's got the same name as someone who was fasting. Anna, yep. She fasted. She, she's a, a widow who the Bible says served God with fasting and prayers day and night. And we had the, uh, the early church, so uh, they would fast before they sent people out in Acts. It says, they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, who got changed to Paul, Whereunto I've called them, and they fasted and prayed, laid their hands on them, and they sent them away. Oh, you almost got there. Almost. That's just a handful of examples. There is heaps. And it's obvious that fasting was a, a common practice in the Old Testament, and that it was done in the New Testament too, that the early church practiced it. Now, if we, if we made a quick list of the purposes from those examples we've heard, it might look something like this. I took out of it protection deliverance from harm, especially on behalf of others. So intercession, developing spiritual strength, including resisting temptation, repentance, showing humility and sorrow for what you've done, as a service to God, a sacrifice to him, and seeking God's voice for discernment. What do we do in the situation, God? We want to know. And we see so often in the Bible that it's not just not eating, fasting goes together with prayer. They go hand in hand. But I suppose in looking into this, I'm like, why would I consider fasting and praying when I could just pray? I believe it's more about the state that fasting puts you in and how that in turn affects your prayers. Because when you fast, you've got this awareness on how much you depend on food. And in, and in doing that, you've kind of become aware of how temporary you are. <laughs> That without food, you're like, oh, wow, I'm kind of, I'm a machine that's slowly running out of fuel. And that kind of increases your reliance on God to get you through that. Because like, oh, wow, I, I don't have my, my kind of daily fuel. You, you've got to step in here, God, and sustain it. It's, it's also focus time, you know. That I, I tried to, I like studies, so I tried to find a study on how much time people spend preparing food. Couldn't find it. I found one on how, how much time Americans spend preparing food. I didn't really believe it because they seem to be that kind of microwave kind of vibe. So it said some of them spend 60 minutes preparing their, their meals, just the evening meal. So I thought, okay, 60 minutes for just the evening meal. You've got your lunch, you've got your breakfast. I reckon if you were to fast in a 24-hour period, I'd say you'd probably have an hour to two hours extra time on your hands. And that time could be devoted to prayer. Fasting also makes you grateful. If you're currently undergoing some kind of food depression where nothing tastes good, just everything's like, I don't want it, I guarantee you fasting will break you out of that. Because <laughs> if you fast, anything, two-minute noodles, it's like a Michelin feast. You just can't, you can't even be around food. Well, that's just me anyway. So I, I, would, I would recommend that. It's also, it's also a built-in reminder to pray, the hunger. So no need for phone alerts. Like, as soon as the hunger comes, it's like, oh, why am I doing this again? Oh yeah, I'm fasting for this. This is, this is where my heart's at at the moment. 
And for me personally, it breaks up kind of the rhythm of life. You just get into the kind of Groundhog Day a little bit and you just, and that fasting breaks it. It's kind of like, wow, today, something special is going on today. Helps to clear your head, focus your mind on spiritual things, not just how am I going to feed this. I used to think that fasting was kind of this special way to twist God's arm, like a kind of a special puppy dog eyes that you can do to God. And he'll be like, oh yeah, all right, I kind of have to. <laughs> but I'm, I'm convinced now that it's less, about, it's, it's less about trying to get God to answer our prayers and, um, in a certain way and more about preparing us to receive his answer. Like It's more bringing our hearts in line rather than trying to get his heart in line with us. John Piper actually said, for those who, for those who know him, he, um, he said, this is what I think fasting is at heart. It's an intensification of prayer. It's a physical explanation point at the end of a sentence. We hunger for you to come in power. It's a cry with your body. I really mean it, Lord. This much I hunger for you. It's a discipline, uh, which means it's, it's something to help train ourselves uh, to learn a way of life that's more obedient, moral, godly. It's, it's, but it's a discipline and, and an expression of love, not of punishment or... Um, feeling like we've got to work towards something. I couldn't actually find one place in the Bible that demanded believers of Christ to fast. We know that the Apostle Paul practiced fasting multiple times. Not in any of his 13 letters do we get a command to fast. Jesus said to his own disciples in Matthew 6, 16, he said, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites, as Jeremy told us, that's actors, of a sad countenance, sad-looking face. For they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. So Jesus said to his disciples, when you fast, not if you fast. Jesus was assuming that his followers would be fasting. He previously assumed in chapter 6 that they would be giving to the poor and praying too. So it was just this continuation thing. But while fasting doesn't appear to be a command, it, it appears to be an expectation. And according to Jesus, it has rewards. But just like anything, anything in our Christian walk, if fasting doesn't come from the right place in our hearts, Jesus explained that it like, for example, if we just fast to look good in front of other people, then that's our reward. That's what we receive. So likewise, we can't fast to get God to love us anymore. Or, or to change our position in his eyes, or under his grace. That's not what fasting's for. So now hopefully if we've got a little bit of insight as to why we might fast, our next question is, what, what would a biblical fast actually look like? Is it like any of those other fasts that we spoke about right in the beginning? Is it a set formula, time frame? Or is it just all personal? So when we go through those biblical examples, there's, there appears to be multiple versions of fasting. Like, the partial fast of the prophet Daniel explains that he chose not to eat from the king's table, not to defile himself. He could have. He could have had. The king of Babylon was, he could have had anything, anything to eat. But Daniel chose just to eat vegetables. That's what was on his heart. God said just, or he chose just to eat vegetables. So in this way, the Daniel fast is referred to as like a partial fast. You, you have some food, but not the pleasant types of food. Uh, and then there's just the water-only fast. 
I didn't know this before looking into this, but a lot of people think that's the fast that Jesus was on because he never, um, it just says he was hungry, not thirsty. It just said he didn't eat. And other times in the Bible when people were fasting from water, excuse me, and from, from food, it would, it would say it. So that's the complete fast. That's the third fast. You don't eat or drink anything. Esther was an example of that fast. And you can fast from things not food related. So in 1 Corinthians, I had um denied about putting this in, 1 Corinthians 7.5, uh, we find an example of Paul saying to couples, if they want to st- abstain from intimacy in marriage for a short time to devote themselves to prayer, then they should. And in Daniel 10.3, uh, he stopped anointing himself with oil. So that's the deodorant fast. I used to work with a guy that was on that fast 24-7. <laughs> now, I have a family member whose mum's here, uh, who actually felt so strongly that God was telling him to fast from media. Now that's uh, no TV, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, no even surfing the internet, no news, uh, news sites. He didn't even listen to music. So for 60 days, I believe, as he made it, 60 days, he fasted from those things. And he said that it was one of the most incredible experiences that he's ever had. Uh, and that God just used it to bring him to a whole new level of intimacy. Couldn't recommend it more. And when I hear stories like that, for me personally, like man, like uh, it gets it gets the spiritual hunger going. And it's like we're all part of this upside down kingdom thing, where you know, first being first means being last, and where leading means serving or following. So I think it's plausible to think that any kind of fast in the flesh could lead to a feast in the spirit, as long as we're seeking to be obedient to what God's actually placed on our hearts. So I I think the possibilities when we're talking about what does a biblical fast look like could actually be pretty diverse and could be really specific, hopefully, to your Christian walk and in turn be quite rewarding for you personally. Now, to add to all this, I think you can't really talk about fasting if, if you don't advise against potential kind of pitfalls. In fact, like anything else, I've talked about fasting, done out of the wrong motives, could actually put a roadblock in your relationship with God. Imagine with me for a second uh, that we're some big city church and a a nicely dressed, smartly dressed man walks into this church. He's he's an elder in this church. He's well respected. He's got a theology degree uh, from Laidlaw University. He's a successful businessman. He actually owns the, the nice Mercedes dealership on the fancy side of town, and uh, he's always on local TV and radio giving away those big checks to charities. But walking in behind him is a guy named Barry, and Barry is the local used car salesman. He's balding a bit overweight, he's, uh, he's best known for selling cars that don't really last that long, and he's uh, signing people up to high interest loans. They both find seats in the same row, and during communion, they both offer up a prayer to God. Now, our well-dressed, successful businessman, he looks up at the ceiling, and he prays, God, thank you that I'm not like men that cheat and steal like Barry here. I'm always doing spiritual things. I'm always fasting, and I give heaps of money to charity. But Barry just stares at the floor and prays, God, Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. 
Now, if that story sounds familiar, obviously, it's for good reason. It's, it's a version of the parable that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. And the Bible says that, that only one man went away justified from that temple. Only one of those prayers pleased God. That Pharisee, he, he stood up there and uh, he fasted regularly, twice a week. And he offered it up to God saying, look at this thing I do for you, God. Isn't it great? But rather than actually bringing him closer to God, that fasting was a, a source of pride that actually got in the way of his relationship with God. Fasting is supposed to be personal, but the moment it becomes all about us, you'd be better off just getting Maccas and thanking God for it. In Isaiah 58, we read about Israel. They're practicing fasting, and uh, they're letting the Lord know all about it. They're saying, have we not afflicted our souls? They cry out to him. They've been accusing God of not paying attention to them. We're being hard on ourselves, and you're not even noticing, they're saying. And what was the reply from the Lord? Put simply, he says, you're fasting to please yourself. While you're fasting, you're arguing with each other, you're fighting each other, you're uh, striving with each other and debating each other. You're treating your workers poorly, and you pretty much just do what you like. So, so don't come at me saying that you're fasting for me. They're fasting was a heart that wanted to please themselves, not God. And um, all that would be pretty depressing. But then God, uh, in verse 6, he, he lays out and says, this is a fast that pleases me. Isaiah 58, 6 says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that they'll bring out the poor that are cast out of their house. When thou seest the naked, that they'll cover him, and that they'll hide not thyself from thine own flesh. In, in other words, the fast that the Lord chooses, the one that's after his heart, in my opinion, is always the one that's focused on others. The ministry of Jesus has always been a ministry of intercession, a ministry on behalf of others. Hebrews 7 says that. He, he lives eternally to intercede for us. He didn't need to go and die on the cross for his own sins. He never sinned. So that was all for us. I um, recently sat in a service of, an, of another gathering, and I listened to this testimony of a, of a teenage boy. He was, must have been about 19, and uh, he'd been in church for a while, but he just wasn't so sure about it all. And he was actually contemplating leaving church and just abandoning his faith, going back to the world. And partway through his testimony, he pointed over to a group of three friends, three guys that were sat in the front row. And he described that these three friends had taken it upon themselves to fast and pray for three days for him to encounter God. Now, anyone who has fasted for more than a meal will know that fasting for three days is no picnic. It's the opposite of a picnic. <laughs> it, it's hard work. It takes commitment. It takes focus. And they didn't even do it for themselves. They did it for someone else. Now that boy's testimony up there, he said, very shortly after I went to a youth camp, 
and he encountered God in such a powerful way that, that he was baptized right there at that camp. And I sat there thinking, man, the love of those three friends. Like, wow, how do you get friends like that? Is this not the greater love that is spoken about in John 15, 13? Jesus said, greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. We're called to lay down our lives for each other, but the chances are we're probably never really going to get put in a situation where we have to die for somebody else. It probably won't happen for us. But what we can do is say, here's something that literally keeps me ticking, gives me energy. But the circumstances that you're going through, or your salvation, is more important to me than that. It's more important to me than food, or whatever you feel to fast from. And here's another question. Why did, why did Jesus fast? I mean, I'm reading it and I'm like, it's not like he needed... I don't know, protection or like deliverance from evil spirits or anything like that. Some people say he fasted to resist temptation. I'm like, yeah, okay. He lasted 30 years up until that point, so pretty good at resisting temptation. Was it to get closer to God? Yeah, again, maybe. Him and the Father are one. Sounds pretty close. The discernment? What about the commission of his ministry? Maybe we're getting closer. A mission? If fasting and prayer go hand in hand, then I would assume that Jesus would have been doing quite a bit of praying during that 40 days. And my question would be about what? I refer back to that Isaiah 58 that we read before, 6 and 7. The fast that the Lord has chosen. Loosing the bands of wickedness, undoing heavy burdens, letting the oppressed go free, breaking the yokes, feeding the hungry, bringing back the poor that were cast out of their homes, clothing the naked, making peace with estranged family members. Yikes. Before our salvation, we were subject to all those things. We were the captives that needed to be set free, oppressed by sin, spiritually hungry, cast out of Eden, the place where we belonged, our home, naked, needing to be clothed. We were the prodigal son or daughter that abandoned the family and went astray. I think personally for me that during his time of, of fasting, Jesus was praying about us. Because that's, that's what he came to do. Set all those things right. Fulfill a fast that truly pleased God. One time the disciples, they come back, Jesus sent them out and they're healing people and they're casting out demons and they come back and they are stoked. They're over the moon. They, they say to Jesus, even the devils are subject to us. Even the devils listen to us. But Jesus kind of rebukes them. <laughs> and he's like, you should be more stoked about being part of the kingdom of heaven and doing heaven's work than you should be about looking good and, and casting out demons and having this, this power. And later, a, a desperate man, he comes to Jesus and he begs him to heal his son. He said, I, I've been to your disciples already. They couldn't do it. So I've come to you. And uh, Jesus does do it straight away. And uh, his disciples come to him later and say, why, well, you know, I thought we had all the power. What's going on? And Jesus said, after he rebuked them again, basically said, this, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And to me it was like Jesus was saying, this, this guy and his son, this, this is what I was fasting for. So I fasted and prayed for them before I ever met them. That's what I'm here to do.
He was oppressed. I'm here to loose those bonds, set the oppressed free. And, and to me, it's like a challenge to the disciples. Is that what you want to do? Did you, kind of, did you want that guy's son to actually be set free? Or, or were you in it for some other motive so, so that you would look powerful in front of other people? Well, that guy can cast out demons. I first felt called to fast about a year or so ago. Really called. I'd kind of experimented before that. And I wasn't exactly sure why I was supposed to do it, but I just tried to be obedient and do it. And God called me to fast from, it might sound a bit lame, he called me to fast from lunch. If you know me, lunch is like happy time. I get out, I, I choose whatever I want. I, try, I don't eat that healthy at lunch. Lunch is like, yeah, special. So he knew, he knew, he's like fast from lunch. And I'm like, oh, please, why couldn't it be breakfast? I'll, take, I'll give you the smoothie, God. I'll give you the smoothie, but don't take away the hamburger. But I, spe- I did. I did. I did do it. I spent my lunch times praying and preparing for sermons. And um, it was a special time. It was a special time. And I started to get like positive feedbacks about some of the sermons in particular. People would hit me up and be like, man, wow, powerful. And in my head, I'm like, epic. Fasting equals great sermons. <laughs> And so I was even more motivated to fast. I started, would fast even more frequently. I'd, I'd start skipping breakfast, and, and, I'd, and I was like, man, if, if, if a little bit of fasting's good, then even more fasting, man, I'm going to be preaching the greatest sermons ever um, and be even skinnier than I am now. So I did. I started doing that. I started fasting for longer. I started fasting more often, and it had the opposite effect. In fact, I started to dread fasting. The fasting days would come up and I'm like, oh no. I just wasn't feeling spiritually filled like I was before. And, I'd, I'd, and if I skipped it, I'd feel super guilty and lazy. And I'd be like, oh, the sermons are going to suck this week. But now I, I see, I look at those fasts. Because for a while I question, I'm like, what's going on? I look at those fasts and I realize they had become all about myself. The only reason I wanted to get revelation from God was not to, like, to build up the church. It was so that I could, people would think I was a good preacher. And they'd look to me and be like, oh, you're a wise Christian or whatever. You're this. So what started out as like obedience and good intentions got hijacked by trying to bring myself glory. And um, that's why fasting, when done, when done right, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, incredibly powerful. I had a list of all the, the kind of men and women of history, church giants that have been regular in fasting. You can pretty much name anybody, and they're on that list. It's clear from the Bible that faithful Christians over the years, combining prayer and fasting, have changed the spiritual landscape. And for me, that's exciting. But also, we've, we've covered some things about what can trip you up. For me, it really comes down to one question, fasting, is, is how much? How much do you want to be set free of something? How much do you want to see your brother or your parents or your neighbor come to Christ? How much do you want to discern God's voice? How much? And I think therein lies the power of fasting. It's a practical, observable display of desire. God, I want this. I, um, I had up the, um, the prayer warrior of our family because I'd, I'd heard 
from my mum that she was, uh, would have been into fasting. And I was right, she had some great stuff. And in the God, I want this part. She said something to me that I found very profound. Um, she said, how profound is it? How crazy is it that the God of the universe actually cares about what we want? He cares that we would want something or desire something. So you could fit into multiple camps today. You could be someone that fasts regularly. Um, maybe you'd be someone that's feeling like God's put a fast on your heart and you've been kind of pushing it off. I would encourage you in that journey, in that fasting journey. I would, um, I would advise first that you spend time pondering over, over all the things he sacrificed for us so that when you do fast, it's, you're truly offering something to him that's, that's free of yourself and that's heartfelt. Or else, in my experience, it, it, you may as well just be eating or doing whatever. So in that thought, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you, you cared and desired so much for us, for us to be set free and for us to come back to you that I believe you, you sacrificed in all kinds of ways, including fasting. And I ask, Lord, that if, if there's something that you want us to do in response to this, that you would put it on each of our hearts, something personal, something, like I said, free from ourselves that we, could, um, that we could offer you in order to glorify you and expand your kingdom. I thank you for this beautiful day and I, uh, I surrender the rest of this week to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Huntley Baptist Church Podcast. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you. Please feel free to contact us at huntleybaptist@extra.co.nz or visit us at huntleybaptist.com.